Trying something new here, Josh, personally, as we welcome you into Hour 2 of the Plank Show. I've got a new I, – I saw this on – because you know me, I'm not on TikTok because I'm not cool enough, but I'm on Instagram Reels constantly. And I saw this, and it said the key to avoiding – an early afternoon crash is to not drink coffee until you've been up for at least two hours. Maybe it was an hour and a half, regardless. My goal is two hours. So I don't have the some, strength. But I guess I won't really know until, like, what, it takes, like, a couple of days. Because I usually, the way I take care of that early afternoon crash, Josh, is to just drink more coffee. It's kind of the way I go about it. Caffeine through it. Right. It's like... What? What are you doing? I'm powering through with caffeine. It's what you do. Adulting. I'm doing a little better, though, right? At least it makes more sense now to cram down four cups of coffee a day when it's like 55 degrees outside. Oh, yeah. No, totally, totally allowable. So we'll see. I'm on cup one in hour two. This is a rarity. I'm and you've usually... been up for multiple hours. I have. I have. I was up uh, 6.50 a.m. is when we wake up for school days. So that means you're gonna have your first cup at eight fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had, and in fact, I I made a cup right before we went on the air. Didn't drink it during the crossover. Had my first drink right when we started. Interesting. So where did you find this Joe Rogan podcast? <laughs> so it's got to be. I mean, it's got to be true. That's it, like Joe was talking. I saw it on Instagram, so it's true. And he was talking to a dude with really long hair and a fancy goatee. And he talked about, I don't know, permeolites or something like that. And ca- caffeine, coffee blocks it. Joe Rogan podcast, health and wellness. It's known for that. Agreed. Look at Joe. Look at the COVID pandemic. He was on top of it. Um, but no, yeah, so I literally was some clip from a guy. And I was like, you know what? Let's try that and see how it works. It's not like I lack energy, but I think more than anything, I think I'm trying to eliminate coffee like I don't want to completely it's a long relationship it's the closest relationship I've had with any anyone in my but life. you're trying to kind of phase it out huh? myself and coffee I think I drink too much my dad has some blood pressure issues and I thankfully have not so far but one of the things they told him was hey you need to cut back on your your caffeine a little bit ah so I don't know Maybe, Boy, that's bad news you, for me. Usually there's a doctor that's listening to our show can tell me on the Air Comfort Solutions text line if this is a good idea or a bad idea. I know this much. Um, I am very, very, very caffeine dependent. Hour 2 of the Plank Show is brought to you by Allison Insurance. Call Bob and Robert Allison to find the best fit for you and your office at 405-745-2968. So, we let a few things slip through the crack yesterday. I felt like we solidified that from the Sooner game on Saturday. If there was anything that we missed that caught your eye, Air Comfort Solutions text line at 651-3439. But I guess, Josh Helmer, there was there was a little bit more to the Spencer Sanders injury situation than we thought. Now, yesterday – we were taking a look at some of the early spreads for this weekend, right? And I know that in the history of the Oklahoma State-Texas series, 
the road team has had some success, right? In fact, I think there was a stretch. I can pull up the Oklahoma State game notes. But there was a stretch for a while where they alternated back and forth. Home team would win, road team would win, home team would win, road team would win. It was, it was pretty wild. And it didn't really make a lot of sense. So now it's, it's homecoming in Stillwater this Saturday, which you know obviously is a very emotional time in, in Stillwater based on the events of the last, what, eight years? Yeah. That, you know, obviously there's a little bit more juice there. Here, here's how it's gone um, for Oklahoma State. Let me pull up the full game, though. It's just speaking of the, the home team, or excuse me, the road team having some success. Um, Oklahoma State won in Stillwater last year. They lost at home in 2020. They won in Austin in 2017. They won in Austin in 2015. They lost in 2014 at home. They won in Austin in 2013. Yeah, it was um, from 2000, 2009 through 2015. It alternated with the road team winning every single game, which is wild in any series. Because remember, we had that back-to-back kind of anomaly in 9 and or 10 and 11 where they went to Texas both years. I think Oklahoma State went to Stillwater back-to-back years in 10 and 11. They did. But, yeah, it's just it's, it's a weird series from that front. Like, the road team has had shocking success in this series. But it still is a surprise to me when you would see a 5-1 and one team hosting a 5-2 and two team and said team at 5-1 and one, who just suffered its first loss in overtime to a highly ranked team on the road would be a six-and-a-half-point dog, especially when it opened at two-and-a-half. And automatically the concern turns to Spencer Sanders and his availability. Now, as we learned on Saturday, he hadn't practiced all week long. And at least that's what Mike Gundy told ABC. Yesterday he went a little bit more in-depth on it with the media. By the way, kudos to Barry Trammell here. I thought this was really good. The question is, hey, what you have an update on Spencer Sanders and, and his health. Uh, let's do ourselves a favor. Y'all don't ask me about injuries, and we won't have any problems. I'm not going to tell you about injuries. I'm not going to tell you who practices and doesn't. You wouldn't reveal your hand either. It's got nothing personal, but um, I'm not going to talk about who practices and who doesn't practice just because it's not fair, and it's not smart on my part. Mike, I, see, I understand it's not smart, but ABC before the game or during the game said you told him he didn't practice, and then after the game he said I don't want to talk about it. So I don't well, know why so what? So what happened is um, Molly came and got me right before kickoff, and uh, she said we know that Spencer did not practice. We know this. We know that. About seven other things, and um, what I should have told her was that. Those aren't things that I discuss, and I will in the future. Uh, in fact, we should probably put that out from our own department, and that way we don't have that issue. But um, the players don't like it. They don't like people knowing they practice, don't practice. Um, you have some guys that have potential NFL. They don't want, even though they might know, they might not know. They don't really like it either. And it's not smart to show our hand. Um, that was a mistake on my part now that you bring it up, but it was different because it was – 20 minutes before kickoff versus talking about it during the week. Um, but really, I should have said the same thing to her. I do the local press to say, hey, I don't, those are not things I talk about. That'd be, that way it's fair to everybody. I, I would say that's probably a good point. 
maybe caught up in the moment, right? You get a little, you know, it's like, hey, I, I don't know if, if Molly's overly tight. Seems like they that crew has done a handful of Oklahoma State games. Maybe there is a pretty good relationship there. To say, hey, I'm hearing the way that he laid it out. I mean, it sounded like she caught us like, we know that Spencer yeah. Sanders didn't practice. We know that it's a shoulder injury. We know that your family came down to watch this game. And we like, heard about the fumble ruski you've been perfecting. It's like, whoa. I mean, the way he made it sound, it was literally like an attack, right? <laughs> but, I mean, I can completely understand, Josh, where that's that's coming from. I don't. Until, well, pause for just a second here. Inevitably, there's going to be injury reports in college football. It, it, there has to be. Because you can't, you can't get in bed with gambling companies and embrace numbers and spreads and that money that's coming into the NFL and eventually, you know, to the college ranks and individual universities – it's going to be a necessity because you're going to want the spreads to be as accurate as they can, right? And you can't allow for any kind of hidden advantage because you've hidden an injury. I'll just, I mean, I told you guys this about Dylan Gabriel and Texas. I heard from more people that are in that world, that gambling world, that week than I ever have in my life. And I was like, listen, dude, number one, I don't know anything. And number two, just to be honest, I'm probably – I'm not going to tell you. Right. Right? I love you. I love you, and you're my guy. But if Brent Venables came and said, hey, Dylan Gabriel's out, I'm probably not going to pick up the phone and call Todd Furman or Bernie Fratto or um, God Ted – Teddy covers. Hey guys, I just wanted you to wanted to let you know so your no. wagers. Right. But in if this is the future, which I don't see individual states and the the gambling going away on sports. I, I don't see it going away. It's not going anywhere. You you can't you've got to be a little bit more transparent with this information. So that's that's a whole conversation for another day, right? That's uh that's probably a good summer conversation. If you can't wager on local teams, does that keep it the way it is? Because, I mean, that's, Maybe. that's kind of the, the case Maybe. a lot of places, right? Like, if legalized sports betting came to Oklahoma, you'd be able to wager on basically any team but Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Tulsa Maybe probably. so. But universally, people want to know. It's still going to be Correct. right. and. Again, because you know, one of the concerns is all right, they're hiding an injury. Let's just say hypothetically they're a three point favorite. Well, if there's a handful of people that are privy to that injury Oh, then they've got a massive advantage. Exactly. Which, hey, congratulations, Mr. Furman. Maybe right, exactly. <laughs> Maybe it's a situation where they kind of follow hockey's rule. Where it's just, hey, so and so is questionable or probable, or maybe it becomes like the NFL, or you go Bill Belichick and everybody's on the injury report. I don't know. But G- Gundy continued on this. Okay, there was there was more on this, and I thought it was really good. Uh, Plank show hour two talking about the Spencer Sanders situation and whether or not he's going to be ready to go come Saturday. Garen Emig went with back to back really good questions on this. Now again, to be clear, to be clear. 
Gundy never specified the injury. But in confirming what ABC had reported in a lot of ways, Josh, we do know it's a right shoulder injury that he's dealing with, right? And I think that this is just phenomenal tap dancing on an answer. Like, phenomenal. I'm not, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck because, you know, Garen asks, say, is it more concerning as a quarterback with a shoulder? Listen to what Mike Gundy said. Um, it just depends on what it is. And uh, it, it can be a variety of things. Um, it can be a non-throwing shoulder. Uh, and so um, we just have to weigh our options based on where we're at and what it is and then go on down the road. Any, any type of injury is a concern for a, for a player that we have that we want to play on Saturday that can't practice as much during the week. But it's not something that we haven't ever dealt with. I mean, we deal with this all the time. That's just the way it is. Sometimes guys can't make it back for the game. Other guys have to play. Sometimes they can make it back. So it's a non-throwing shoulder, or, or, or it is a throwing shoulder? Great question. <laughs> See? Is it um, – I'm led to believe that it might be his non-throwing shoulder from that remark. Like right. That's, that's Gundy's way of sharing that information. So, somebody might be, able to, might be able to help clarify it. Um, I mean, he played versus TCU. Right. He played, he played the whole game. I never – you know, I – I can't pretend that I watched from the opening snap to the end because we were wrapping up our post-game show. By the time I got home, um, it was midway through the second quarter, and like I said, literally we sat and watched just about that whole game. It was really fun. Uh, it was really fun to watch that game and the Tennessee-Alabama game going on at the same time. The uh, We even tried out, Josh. We found out we had a picture-in-picture picture option on my TV. So you could do split screen and everything? Yeah, but I didn't – yeah, you know, the the way that it pops up on our TV, it's not like a true split screen. It's like right. one box is bigger yes. than the other, and there's a lot of, like, blank space that's not getting used yes. on the screen. It's like, then dude, I can't figure out how to go between TVs. and, and it's I know. Like, you, you, like, hit the previous button, and it all of a sudden you're watching the same game twice. It's really not been perfected. Sense. No, we got to work on that. Just in other, I, I started to go get a second TV and bring it into the living room. I was shot down rather quickly. <laughs> um all right, so we don't – like I said, I, he seemed fine in that game from what I watched. To the naked eye watching the game, I mean, mobility looked the same. The way he was throwing the football, I don't know that it appeared that there was much difference there. But obviously, I mean, the Oklahoma State coaching staff knows what's going on. They felt comfortable enough to play Spencer Sanders. Sure. If there's legitimately a difference, it was tough to see. Outside of the fact that Oklahoma State just didn't score late in the game. One more, and I thought this was, again, another really good question from Garen. Is it more important this year because, you know, last year if things weren't going well at the quarterback position, Oklahoma State had a pretty good defense right, where you could trust a Malcolm Rodriguez, uh, Colby Harvell, Peel, even though I know he was dinged up. But you, you, had a, you had a good veteran defense that could go in there and shut things down. Is it more important this year to have – Spencer Sanders 100% because you you don't have that same experience and 
solid nature of your defense? Uh, well, I, I think anytime you play with a defense we did last year, you, you have a little bit more. If you, you have more options, let's put it that way, which you saw last year. I mean, we could just kind of run the ball and use the clock and then figure we could win 17-16 last year. Well, we're fairly young on defense this year, so we don't have that option. Um, but anytime you lose your – you or potentially could lose a starting quarterback, it's an issue, make a difference what it is. But last year's defense did give us other options. There you go. So, all right, let's – Group think this real quick before we break. A lot of things can be true at the same time. Spencer Sanders can be injured, but Oklahoma State can feel he still gives them the best chance to win and will continue to trot him out there. Right? The thing that, I mean, really sucks for Oklahoma State, depending on your angle of rooting, is they've already had their bye week. So there's not even a time where you're like, yeah, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, get him healed up during the bye week. You had that in week four, right? So they yeah, don't have that. You're just gonna have to nurse this thing the rest of the way. And let's say, you know, in, again, in years past, you might be able to look at the Big Twelve schedule and say, yeah, Kansas, we could play the backup, right? You know, coming up, we we've got Kansas in two weeks. You know, we could probably get away with starting Gunner and go from there. Right, run the football. and But, I mean, here here's the next four weeks for Oklahoma State. Texas Saturday at home, playing better, even though, dude, how did Xavier Hutchinson miss that I football? Know. I don't know. I fought with Gabe yesterday because he's like, it was a terrible throw. I'm like, it was a perfect throw. I mean, like, could he have led him a little bit more? Sure. But it was. I mean, Xavier Hutchinson got to make the catch. You got to make that catch. Was it a perfect throw? No, no. But it was catchable. I mean, it's it's in the zip code. And look, it's Xavier Hutchinson. The guy's going to play in the NFL. You got to make the catch. That's right. But they've got Texas, Kansas State, and then they've got Kansas. I mean, that's <laughs> and two of those games are on the road. They've got to go to Manhattan. They've got to go to Lawrence. I mean, I, you guys can dog Oklahoma all you want, but. I think by the time they play the Sooners on November 19th, pretty good feel the Sooners will be trending in the right direction. Hopefully. Seems like maybe they started that way against Kansas. Hopefully, right? There's no bye weeks in this conference anymore. So, that's tough. That's tough. I mean, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that OU could be on a four-game win streak when Oklahoma State comes in. Right. I probably wouldn't wager money on it right now. Yeah, exactly. But – it is not impossible. Uh, well, it's uh, 22? We spent 22 minutes on that? What's wrong with me? It's fun listening to Mike Gundy tell us that, well, I mean, I don't know. It could be a throwing shoulder. could might also be. not be. Might be. Might. I mean, it, hey, how do you feel about the injury? I mean, what? well, you know, it depends. What arm is it? Well, you know, you got to understand, Molly McGrath was kind of bombarding me. Uh, someone, by the way. Uh, this was from the 918. Molly going to get more out of me than Tram. No offense, Tram. <laughs> fair point. Uh, fair point. All right, um, quick break. When we come back, we'll start diving into the Air Comfort Solutions text line. More from college football over the weekend, right? Let's – you know, we've got our – 
hearing coming up on Thursday's show. Oh, baby, I'm ready. We've got, a- we've got defined tier five now. Oh, we do. Okay. Oh, yeah, there's only one one list. <laughs> Correct. I yes. was like, whoa, we do? And they're like, oh, yeah, 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 that's right. I'm sorry. They- <laughs> Iowa State's over. There's been some shuffling in the tiers, though. There has been. It'll be an interesting week for it. But is the Big 12 too deep? I can't believe I'm saying that. We too deep. We too deep. We'll dive into it next on The Ref. So CBS has started flexing its muscle. Muscle? Muscles? Uh, we brought up the the big numbers for Saturday and Sunday. The Bills-Chiefs is the most watched NFL on CBS Week 6 game in 15 years with 25.4 million viewers, which, by the way, I thought was also really smart, Josh, that there was no competition against it on CBS. Yeah, right? just it was, let it let, let, let it, it take it away. Right, don't don't split that up for CBS. Everyone gets it. And you know what? CBS, uh, bravo to you. It worked out beautifully for you. I mean, obviously it was a fantastic game. Came right down to the wire. The only thing that CBS would have maybe liked a little bit better, but, I mean, the ratings, they don't care, but right. if Mahomes had driven him down the field just a little bit before he threw that pick. A little drama near the end there. Yeah, just maybe a, a hair more, but it was, I mean, it was a great game. I don't know how to feel about it because I feel like everyone's doing the same thing with the Chiefs that they did last year. I will say I, I'm not a big Nick Wright fan, but the little video that's making the rounds from First Things First is pretty funny. What uh, what's he saying now? He's got a statement that he reads, giving credit to the Bills and how how great they are and how they've surpassed the Chiefs and how <laughs> Josh Allen is. Yeah, because he's a noted Bills hater. Yeah, yeah, Bills hater, Chiefs fan. And then as he wraps up, he goes, "And uh, I know this." None of this matters because it's the same thing that I wrote last year. This is the same thing I wrote last year. And he throws it across the rim. It's pretty well done. It was, I got to admit, it was pretty well done. And what happened last year? Bills beat the Chiefs in the regular season, Chiefs, got beat in the playoffs. Chiefs won in the playoffs. But the Bills Chiefs most watched NFL and CBS game in 15 years. What was the game 15 years ago? Uh, Patriots I something? No, you know what? Let, now I'm curious. I want to know. They don't have it on Steelers yet. Patriots maybe. Steelers Patriots sounds right. Uh, 15 years. Patriots ago, Colts. Yeah, probably so. Because yeah, that would have been Peyton versus Brady. Yeah. The most watched. Um, oh, and by the way, it was also the most watched Alabama Tennessee game on record with 11.557 million viewers. Paramount Plus scored its most streamed regular season game ever and records its most streamed college football regular season game in three years. Has Paramount Plus even been around for three years? Well, don't get in the way of a good story. That's good. It's good stuff. I mean, obviously, mega numbers for that game. And when you get the types of games that each of these two were – they're going to rate, right? Because it comes right down to the wire. It's dramatic. And it's a couple of teams, well, four teams in across the NFL and college football that all have legitimate championship aspirations, right? I mean, now you have to be we, – we can – you and I can sit here and go back and forth. Is Tennessee – I mean, are you buying them to go win the college football playoff? And probably there's – you know, I would turn around and tell you I still like Georgia and Ohio State better, in part maybe because of what we thought – dating all the way back to the summer, but you'd have to say legitimate, legitimate crashing the party type team. Okay. Right? I mean. No, agreed. Agreed. 
So let's let's look right now. How many teams would you say are legitimately in the four team playoff mix? I'm just I'm gonna go down through and you say yes or no. Okay. Um we we agree. Get my pin out so we don't have to do this again. We agree Georgia, Ohio State, right? That that's been the slam dunks. Clemson. Clemson, right? Michigan. Michigan. You know, in fact, it's so good. I don't Michigan's been so good this year. You know, I I'm I'm in that group where if some chaos happens down the stretch of the season, that even if Michigan loses to Ohio State, I if that's a close game, I don't know if I count them out. No, I mean the scenario where you get two Big Ten, two SEC is not out of the wide. realm of possibility. Okay, so Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, Michigan, Tennessee. Tennessee, Alabama. You still put Bama in with the one, right? Absolutely. Ole Miss. Ole Miss. By the way, I looked at Ole Miss's, Misses, the I looked at the Ole Miss schedule. And you know, it's this week is interesting. I was looking at stats of wars breakdown and that's one of the analytic nerds and literally all of his numbers showed that this game would end in a tie. 29.5 to 29.5, which it's not going to happen. It just shows you how close those two teams are. Then they go to A&M before Ole Miss Bama on the 12th. You know what? November 12th, we could start getting into those conversation about playoff elimination games, right? If Ole Miss beats Alabama on the 12th, they're done. Bama's out. And Ole Miss, if they win their next two games, are feeling pretty good. By the way, little sidebar to that. Ole Miss has a bye week between the A&M and Alabama game. So if they can keep rolling, look out. So you would put Ole Miss in this mix, so would I. All right. Let, let, I mean, I think you have to. They're unbeaten. So there's seven teams right there. TCU. Absolutely. All right. So do, this is getting to what I want to talk about. I'm I'm uh, in the minority, I'm sure, for a lot of our listeners. I think Oklahoma State's still in the mix. Do you? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. One last team. Do I think that – would I put them in control their own destiny mode? Probably not. Probably need to some help. Oklahoma State. Right. right. But are they out of it? No, they're not out of it. TCU – has that big K-State game this weekend. Then they travel to Morgantown. They've already had their bye week, remember? Then Texas Tech at home, at Texas, at Baylor, and they wrap it up with Iowa State. And that's at home. That's in Fort Worth. I mean, that is a rugged second half of the season just based on kind of the roller coaster nature. See, I... Like you said, you would still put Oklahoma State in the mix. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But then again, maybe there's a part of me that thinks there's another loss coming. And if you asked me realistically who's getting into the college football playoff, like give me your top eight, right? well, Oklahoma State wouldn't be in that group for me. Okay, question. If you did that, your top eight, would TCU be in your rankings? Because... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They're right on the cusp of it, right? Would you put would you be more apt to have a TCU in that eighth spot or say 
I don't know, a, a Pac-12 team like Oregon UCLA. or even USC and UCLA, right? I think a lot of us just assume UCLA's run is ending this weekend, right? It seems like that is kind of, I would, yeah. kind I, of the I would. overriding thought, and then they would be completely removed from it. And if you get through this weekend, if you're TCU, then all of a sudden I really feel good about your chances because looking the rest of the way, you've got road trips to Texas and Baylor beyond this weekend versus Kansas State. And, you know, I mean, right now, trip to Baylor's not – you know, it's not nearly as intimidating as it would have been before the season. Right. They're, yes, absolutely. They're, they're in the top eight, in part because of the fact that they rallied and beat Oklahoma State last weekend. Does it seem like there's a few more teams legitimately in the mix this year? Because, you know, last year was so unique because we did spend most of the year trying to figure out whether or not Cincinnati was going to get in, right? It's Plank Show right here on The Ref. We're talking about teams that we think are playoff in playoff contention, playoff worthy. Last year, in the coaches' poll, the teams that inevitably made the playoffs were ranked 1, 3, 4, and 6. But this is also that moment where I remind you that the coaches' poll last year, Oklahoma was number 2 at this point. And we were fighting nonstop about a 7-0 and team that was ranked second. Yeah, they stunk. They were terrible. <laughs> they weren't beating anybody impressively. But, I mean, Oklahoma State was still undefeated at this point last year, right? Before they – and I want to say that it was going right into that Iowa State game. Uh, Baylor, who played in the Sugar Bowl and won the Big 12 championship, was still 20th at this point last year. So, again, I, I don't know why for a – for a season when we came in and everyone thought, gosh, one through three is set, who's number four? I feel like with what Tennessee did, it's not just, hey, replace Alabama with Tennessee. It's, all right, that seems to open up the minds a little bit more to say, what is going on at UCLA, right? Is this sustainable? This is a team that probably should have lost to, who was it, South Alabama? Yeah. Um, if they don't miss a field goal? Um, do do we maybe start diving into the resume of some of these one-loss teams a little bit deeper? I, I don't know. I'll say this, though. Just looking at the AP and coaches, it's a little bit different, but top six in whatever order is the same. Three of the four college football playoff teams are coming from the top six. I agree. What it looks like right now, coaches AP. Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, Michigan, Clemson, Alabama – Half of those teams are going to comprise the college football playoff. And then you kind of got your everybody else's of the world, right? And the Big 12, the Pac-12, I think, falls into that everybody else mix. If I were to project the playoffs today, I would think, and this is going on a couple of theories. Number one, Tennessee gets into the SEC championship game. Unbeaten. Unbeaten, and they get a rematch with Bama. Those are a couple of of ideas that I have here. I mean, is there a scenario where the SEC gets three in? Funny you bring that up. Air Comfort Solutions text line. Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee all in? From the 731. Here's a scenario, guys. Bama could win out, including the SEC championships, uh, including the SEC championship. Georgia's only loss is in the SEC championship game to Bama. Tennessee's only loss is to a one-loss Georgia. 
And finally, Ole Miss has one loss, and it's to Alabama. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just insanity. Probably it doesn't play out that way, but, man, it'd be almost more exciting if it did. So if I were – And then if you've got, you know, Clemson unbeaten and either Ohio State or Michigan unbeaten, I mean, how do you settle all of that? Oh, man. If I were projecting today, I would say Ohio State's got an edge over Michigan. So, I I mean, and I'm just – those are two undefeated teams that are going to play in a yeah, couple of you, weeks. They're better. They're, right. they're better than Michigan. And, and I don't think – I don't think a one-loss Ohio State-Michigan is unfortunately going to be in the conversation if that scenario plays out in the SEC. But I think Ohio Probably State, not. Tennessee slash Georgia, right, whoever wins that game, Clemson, and then Alabama. I, I just – even though, I mean, I think they're – my gosh, it's 1040. How Unbeaten TCU? I mean, would they have – Unbeaten TCU's in. Unbeaten TCU is in. But if there's, I mean, all of that other SEC stuff happening, and there's unbeaten's in Clemson, and uh, we do this every year. I, I, I don't. Know. I don't know. I mean, they might not get in. I don't know how much I'm buying Bama right now, dude. I really don't. You have, you arguably have dudes that could go one and two in the draft, and yes, I know that people are falling in love with C.J. Stroud, and they should. But did you see Bryce Young this weekend? Do you watch the NFL? Those are the dudes that NFL teams are falling all over themselves for, the Bryce Young types. Now, granted, Justin Fields setting them back a little bit, but I don't care. So, to me, Josh, you Mobility. Have, you have guys who could arguably be one and two in the draft in Fields and Will Anderson, and they – should maybe have three losses this year. Texas should have beat them. A&M had a chance. I mean, it's just, I get it. Good teams win games, right? They should have lost to Auburn last year, right? It took an incredible drive from Auburn to beat Alabama. Correct. Uh, for Bama to beat them. Did I say that right? Should have lost. Yeah, them. to get into overtime Thank and then you. win. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it was, it was a, a miracle comeback in some ways for Alabama. Right, we got a break. But I just, I don't know. I'm sitting here saying I feel good about Alabama getting in that fourth spot. But then I'm like, first college football playoff rankings, do they come out next, next week? week? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. It's going to be good. I feel like it's been pushed back more and more every single year. I feel like, which is probably smart. Right. Right. You know, I, I feel like every single year these things get pushed back a little bit deeper. But, you know, last year, the first playoff poll, let's see, when did that come out? I think it was after week nine was the first college football playoff poll. No, no, it wasn't even after week nine. It was, uh, yeah, it was It was after week nine heading into week 10. So, after week nine heading Which into week 10. That's a good time. All right. The first four in last year's initial college football playoff rankings – only two of the teams ended up making the college football playoffs. Chaos! Georgia, Alabama, Michigan State, and Oregon. That was Jeff Schwartz's shining moment with wah, Oregon wah, sitting wah. at four. All right, quick break. Uh, let's catch up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line next. I didn't realize how long we had gone on the conversation about what you would consider legitimate playoff contenders right now. Is your number then three, four, five, six? Is your number at eight, or do you still include UCLA? 
because Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson. I include uh, UCLA. Michigan, Tennessee, Bama, Ole Miss. I mean, we're going to find TCU, out this weekend with UCLA. UCLA. And you would still include Oklahoma State in that? Yeah, I, I think. Uh, so then would you include USC? I think you have to. Wow, wow. You've got more than eight. My gosh, I, man. I, I just Who are you, much... the playoff committee? <laughs> include everybody. <laughs> if we're talking who do I think are legitimate serious factors right. for it right now, anybody in the top six, I, I'm i not buying Ole Miss. I'm, I'm more prone to buy TCU than I would uh, Ole Miss, in part because I don't think the schedule is as daunting. Agreed. I don't see an Alabama – waiting on the schedule for TCU the rest of the way. And, you know, after that, USC. Okay. Just because, again, I don't think the schedule's particularly imposing, and I think that there's a little bit of a narrative to want USC to get in. They'd get the benefit of the doubt, I think. From the seven three one, if true chaos happens, could you imagine three or even four SEC teams in the playoffs People would lose their minds. That would definitely speed up expansion quickly. Can we get to 12 teams this year? No, we can't. Because the the Pac-12 and the ACC and the Big Ten had to throw their little pity party about Oklahoma and Texas going to the Big 12 to the SEC from the Big 12. And then they went and scooped up USC and UCLA. Meanwhile, Kevin Warren is basically just snagging USC and UCLA like they're in the discount aisle. Kevin Warren's like that nuclear power plant owner from The Simpsons. He's pure evil. It's Mr. Burns. Yeah, thank you. That's who I'm Who's his of. Smithers then? Who's the Big Ten's Smithers because they have all the dirt? But, yeah, I mean, but true chaos, I, I agree with this, and I brought this up before the break from the 405. Um, Bama's two fortunate plays away from being four and three. I mean, they really are. Yeah. And if there is one thing that we learned – Boy, they're not they're not where they need to be defensively. Well, but they had a defensive touchdown. Yeah, and they gave up 51, and that defensive touchdown came whenever the quarterback and receiver basically dropped the football. Yeah, they and, then lost. They, and then they proceeded to, you know, not win the game from there after getting the big defensive score that they needed. Do you know, I didn't realize this. Tennessee still doesn't have its best receiver back. That's wild, man. They're doing that? Isn't it fascinating? I mean – no national complaints about the lack of defense from that game. And I know we've done that dance and, you know, routine before, but from a defensive standpoint, I mean, it was an exciting football game. I loved watching it. It was great. It was terrible defense. It was terrible. Awful. And, and don't come back with, you know, to me with the, oh, well, it was great offense. Okay. It was not very good defense. Quick break. When we come back on the ref, we put a wrap on hour three before the hour two, excuse me, before hour three in the top five stories today, right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Oh, we got a little bit of time here. Brian writes, please, no more Denver on prime time. Let's check the Denver Broncos schedule quickly, shall we? Because I'm willing to go out on a limb and say one more. they're at least one more? One more. Versus Kansas City, uh, second week of December. Okay. All right, good. They're going overseas in two weeks to play Jacksonville. In London. How did they beat the Niners? Are the Niners the hardest team to figure out in the NFL this year? Or? They're good and they're not. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah, they played 
very, very poorly versus Atlanta. Can I make a prediction? You may. I think the Broncos are going to beat the Jets next weekend. Oh, I think they're going to beat the Jets, too. <laughs> I think that's I, – I don't think the Broncos are that bad. I don't think they're that bad either. I'm just tired of having them crammed down my throat every single year about the greatness of the Broncos roster, only to have them underachieve constantly. Russ will cook. Russ. Let's ride, Bronco fans. Let's ride. Let's ride. Did he do one of those last night, leaving the press conference? No, I don't know if he did it leaving the press conference. But he. Do you had think somebody some, in the front office was like, "Dude, if we're losing, you can't be this cringe, man." He had some horrifically cringy pregame <laughs> video that I was like, oh. <laughs> "I mean, listen, I, I, I see these people because I live on Instagram Reels, and I'm like, okay, that's pretty good, <laughs> how, right? How, how would do you, you do feel that? if he was the Raiders quarterback? Do you think?" Oh, I'm sure I would justify all of it. I'm sure I'm like, well, it's, you know, it it, it fits a certain, certain demographic. He's a team guy. It, that arm angle's okay. It's got It's fine. Run, run, pass. Do you know what the, I do think Derek Carr would be really good in Denver right now. That's, But you're never going to see them. Never going to see the Broncos and the Raiders do a deal. But I just, I don't. I don't know, man. I see those people that are so comfortable on camera and do things. I'm like, that's pretty funny. But somehow – when Russell Wilson does anything, it's just <laughs> Yeah, it's oh, tough. Dude, what are you doing? Um, so yeah, Brian, I think you're good on that front. And then there's this from the seven three one. Come on, guys. Bama is in year two of a rebuild. Let's give them a break. It's a good point. It's a good point. Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, first round pick of the edge rush. Yeah. Rebuild. Just give it time. Give it time. Hour two has been brought to you by Allison Insurance. Top five stories of the day next right here on the ref.